Welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee. Whether you are just pulling up a seat to the table, breaking a glass ceiling, or smashing through walls, grab your favorite mug and join us on the first and third Friday at 11 o'clock for candid conversations with industry experts and decision makers as we navigate and explore all the things related to real estate and community. Hey, good morning, Wall Smashers. It's Carla McGee, where we don't just want to break the glass ceilings, we want to smash down the walls. So I am really, really excited about today's guest because I was at a Conscious Capitalism event and met these guys and really loved what you guys are doing. So I'm going to do just a quick intro and then I'm going to let you tell me the story because I cannot wait to hear. So this is Darren Chapman with the Tiger Mountain Foundation and Kyle McIntosh, the president and creative Excitant. Excitant. Excite. I'm like, am I pronouncing that correctly? Everyone asks that question. You'll probably get rid of it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I feel like we should adapt that into our terminology yeah. of Max Six. And when we met at the Conscious Capitalism event, you you guys were talking about the community garden as part of commercial real estate. And that just blew my mind because it took my two loves of philanthropy and real estate and really put them in a room together. So take it away and tell us how that happened. You want me to kick off with it? All right. So <laughs> philanthropy and real estate mixed together. I like that. That's like uh, the epitome of conscious capitalism, it, right? The way that uh, the best way I've heard conscious capitalism described in the past is like the heart of a nonprofit with the horsepower of a for-profit mixed together. Nice. So it doesn't matter about the tax distinction of what type of company it is. Who cares? Right. You know, they're, they're out to do good and increase their reach to do more good. So yeah, Max 6 essentially is a real estate company, right? We've got 150,000 square feet, three buildings. Our approach, our lens that we look through the world in is conscious capitalism. How do we create more value for people, more good in people's lives, and uh, allow them to do the same thing for others? We had a specific issue over at the building uh, just across the parking lot from where we are, where it wasn't like we initially thought, hey, we should put in a community garden just because it would be a great thing to do. We had an issue where there was a population of people that were kind of always around that building. And it was uh, people who tended to be having issues with drugs, sometimes committing crimes, uh, sometimes sleeping around the building, homelessness, and just people who were struggling that we also were struggling to, uh, I don't want to just kick the can down the road and, and have this approach where we're just always pushing people out and it's somebody else's problem. But at the same time, we have to maintain some level of safety around what's going on for any of the tenants that are in the building. And as a sort of testament to the issue that we were dealing with or the size of the issue we were dealing with, that building went down to 26% occupancy, largely due to things like a 7,000 square foot tenant moving out and saying, I don't feel safe having my female employees leave after dark. Uh, and go down to their cars. And so as we initially approached this this issue, it was, okay, well, we can deal with this from the police. We are dealing with, with the police. We could have more security, put more cameras, everything we were advised to do, put more no trespassing, trespassing signs up. But all of that was this confrontational relationship with the problem, as opposed to asking the question of, 
what if we treated this population of people like a stakeholder in our business? How would that change anything if instead of building bigger walls, we tore all the walls down and decided to like create this interaction that was totally different than just kicking Smashing someone down the road? Smashing those walls. Yeah. Smashing the walls, yeah. That's where the conversation turned to uh, to Darren was, I'll let Darren describe what he what he does, but this way to sort of engage with uh, with people in a in a way that would like create something, this place where there are people coming over here to this place in Tempe that are over here or they're coming here whatever for whatever reason anyways. And so how do we create this uh, environment where instead of pushing people out, we're sort of reaching a hand out and saying, um, hey, how can we help? You're, you're part of our community. Uh, you know, if you if you want to be around here, that's cool. But I don't want to have a confrontational relationship with you. I'd, ra- I'd much rather be asking the same sort of questions I'd ask of anybody that's in any of our buildings is, what do you want to do with your life and how can we help get you there? So that is when we thought of Darren, we had known Darren for probably a decade prior to that, maybe a little bit longer and said, uh, what do you think, man? We kind of knew what you did. Do you think there's something here you could help us with? Do you want to describe I mean, what you guys do? And then yeah, what do you do, Darren? Well, I, I entertain fantastic Girl Scouts of America <laughs> in our community gardens. And I am just incredibly blessed Uh, to be in these types of conversations. So what I do is I take these vacant spaces and and we convert these vacant spaces into opportunity. Uh, The opportunity might be along the lines of what Kyle just spoke of, which is workforce development and or some type of transitional and or transformational opportunity in your life. Um, so uh, what what I do is I, I'm actually living the dream. Um, you, when you can actually take a conversation about a commercial property and, and take words like capitalism and, and bridge those words with social entrepreneurism, uh, bridge those words with uh, a type of um, equity and an type a type of uh, inclusion uh, that that we see with this type of project. Uh, again, um, I'm, I'm living the dream. So when someone asks me what I do for a living, man, I, I describe it that way because it, it's it's not definitive. I am not a CEO as much as I am an igniter, very similar to, uh, what what was yours, exciter? I'm an exciting and you're an igniter. I like I, absolutely, man. <laughs> excitement and igniter. <laughs> exactly. The, the excitement meets the ignite, man. It's, it's, it's going to be on. It, it, yes. That's right. Absolutely. So, so again, that that's that bridge, myself included. So I've, I've been through homelessness in, in my life. I've, I've been drug adled. Uh, uh, it, it all kind of came as part of the territory, whether... I was sitting next to a person who was there because of a behavioral health issue or a person who was there because of, for goodness sakes, inflation, Mm. right? Or a person like myself who just uh, not only wanted to um, smash walls at that particular time in my life, I wanted to smash the white picket fence. I didn't think it was for me. So so we were all there potentially for a multitude of different reasons. Uh, And to uh, Kyle's point, we 
and I say we, uh, uh, Mac Six and the Macintosh Foundation, uh, kind of looked at this as a way of where they could bring in some of the conceptual things that I was able to do back in my initial neighborhood uh, to work with blight, to work with uh, some of these other things that plagued our neighborhood, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. and, and so we set out, as uh, Kyle also mentioned, over a decade ago to push that in a very positive direction. So uh, that's what I do, and, and, and that's what I'm a part of. And I always call myself a reciprocal spoke in that wheel. Uh, and, and then to have the beauty of this actually, again, merge with something that could be exponential for our community from an economic perspective. Right. Uh, as we do the work, we grow that produce out there. We're taking that produce to farmers markets, and then it changes the narrative as well. People are eating healthier and thinking healthier. Uh, so uh, again, it's this holistic uh, way of kind of taking on quite a bit. So, Right. So Darren is part of the community. You are the igniter. But your medium is community gardens, right? Correct. And that's how you that's how you're doing that. So how so Kyle kind of talked about like how the relationship started and kind of where the conversation started. And clearly you are the best person for that job. So then how did it land like back here on the site? Yeah. So the way it landed back here on the site, I I met with Kyle and I met with Scott McIntosh and um, we talked about potentially how I, I, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I, I have a tendency to bark, uh, to, to, to make sure you're all out there in podcast land are listening. Oh, they're listening. <laughs> they're listening. All right. They'll be like, what the heck was that noise? Yeah. Barking spiders. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, so that, that's how I started. So I just having some conversations in regards to, um, what Kyle had mentioned before, uh, there, there, there was definitely a situation going on and in your best innovation and creativity, you don't kick that can down the road if you could possibly prevent it. A lot of people, I mean, that that's unfortunately has been the status quo is that it gets kicked down the road. Mm -hmm. So, so instead of kicking that uh, proverbial can down the road, we looked at how could we resolve this in a way that would actually bring merit to revitalizing the area, reclamating the area, taking back ownership of the commercial property as well, uh, so that it wouldn't be such a uh, issue with uh, that unfortunate word vagrancy. Mm -hmm. And and so um, I, I, again, I um, as I as we looked at this, it, we just didn't do it overnight. It, it's actually took some months with some people might say, wow, it typically could even take years mm -hmm. uh, to really see a definitive change, but it only took us months. And we'll continue seeing more change, right? But it's, right. yeah, it was, well, it felt like a long time as we were, you know, and working with so many partners, but it was so quick uh, thinking about it now in the past of just the, the dramatic change that happened once, uh, even once you guys first started out here with the garden. Well, and kind of walk through it for people. I've, I have visually seen it, right? I've even bought produce. There were some great recipes provided with it and had a great time with it. But visually walk people through who can't see or aren't at Max 6. Like, what does it look like right now? That visual has so much substance to it. It, it has depth that I am tremendously proud of for these reasons. When, when you encounter something like this, there could be a tendency for us to point a finger at Kyle and, and 
uh, and Scott and the McIntosh family and say, hey, man, you're, you're just not doing this the right way. And this is the reason why the problem exists. So all we've actually done then is just kind of come and assessed the issue. But we wanted to uh, literally retroactively, or, or I would have to say in a, in a very creative, real-time way, address the issue. Now, with that being said, we, we ran into pieces where, hey, wait a minute, I thought you said this could be done by this particular time. And man, I thought it could be done by that particular <laughs> time. However, now that I'm assessing it, here's a couple of other things that I didn't even foresee as we dove into the depths of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So now it takes some real grown folks at the table with compassion for what we set out to do initially to now make this thing actually come to reality. And and so we had those tough conversations over the first uh, month, two or three in regards to, yeah, you know, when I took that look over that hour or two, this is what I saw. Now, after being here for three months, I'm like, holy crap, (laughs) (laughs) we got more work to do. And I think, I think what, uh, one of the things that you're kind of alluding to is, uh, we have a unique project compared to some, a lot of the other stuff you've done, right. Where it's Mm -hmm. on this commercial property where I think, but I don't let me know. Um, a lot of this is in the past has been, all right, here's a big piece of land that's open and it's in an area where we have some similar opportunity to put a community garden and have some impact in, but it's not where we're going to be going through the same city zoning things of what can happen on a commercial property or sort of having people reimagine what might it look like to have a community garden in the parking lot of a commercial property. Mm -hmm. That sounds crazy to the city when you bring it up. I bet. They don't even want to imagine what it would look like. Why are you asking this question in the first place? And so it was, it was a definitely an iterative process of this vision that came together and just, Hey, a little bit of, listen, trust us. We're not going to do anything to screw this up. We're not going to do anything to mess with the uh, cleanliness or or create Mm -hmm. issues for you. We want to help you solve a problem. Yeah. And the way I kind of like picture it, if I, if I hadn't seen it is, well, instead of decorative trees, we have fruit trees. And instead of, you know, bushes in the medians, we have edible fruits in the median. Like, right. Is that how we would kind of describe it to people who are trying to picture what that looks like it's aesthetically beautiful over there yes and just the utilitarian part of it speaks to me where it's like these buildings have existed for 50 and 60 years and have had bushes and rocks and trees and these medians in the parking lot for however many years what have we been doing this whole time? We could put stuff in here that you could eat, that mm-hmm. you could, you know, like Darren was talking about, provide healthier options to a community where, like, what what is really around us, like directly around us that you could walk to? There are a couple of options that are kind of healthy. And if you, but like, really, it's jack in the box. And it's like all these things, right? And so how do we bring more options like this to a community where, okay, Darren wants to, Darren and Tiger Mountain will take all this produce and go sell it through to farmer's markets or wherever. Mm-hmm. But like, hey, someone could just walk over here that's hungry and grab a tomato or something, right? right. Like it's here. It's open. Do we want to create security around that? No. Come yeah. grab a tomato if you want one. Yeah. That's, this is what this is a place for all of us, not just for us. No. Right. 
And so, like you're saying, it kind of, um, it bridges this, like, what is not typically a relationship between community, not only like conscious capitalism, but like community and commercial, right, which seems almost counterintuitive. But Darren, you also mentioned that this created like a a workforce, correct, or um, a relationship with workforce. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, it creates a relationship with a, I feel, typically disengaged, disconnected uh, group of folks who normally would not be part of workforce, uh, which, again, gives it that uh, extra layer of depth. You're talking about folks who have been walking up and down a thoroughfare that might be more synonymous with drug peddling or you know, where can I go get my next drink? Um, it, it, it's not synonymous with I'm part of the haves or synonymous with what's in it for me. Now you're taking, I think, even to date, uh, 2022, from January to uh, to present date, uh, over 460 folks in that thoroughfare that have been engaged, some of them going into transitional housing opportunity because they were homeless, others uh, addressing other uh, issue in their life. Um, So again, now it's not just a workforce opportunity. It's an opportunity, again, for that uh, portal uh, to be for uh, some type of betterment, some some type of greater good. And that portal was being supported by uh, the Max 6 uh, commercial. Um, that That's an unusual bridge. So, so unusual that as we did this, another big corporation said, hey, man, we love what you guys are doing. So now we've set a template. And that is actually that incredible exponential gain that uh, makes it even social entrepreneurism uh, because we have more people working over there now and and people over here. And uh, it's easier for us to maintain our co-working space. So we have a co-working space within the co. We thought the mm-hmm. co-working space thing was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 we have a co-working space within our co-working space and all of our young entrepreneurs and aspiring folks are working from that perspective. So so it gets uh that that greater depth and layer of workforce development as opposed to just, you know, we throw a lot of these words out there, you know, right. diversity, equity, inclusion, they workforce development. Oh my They're gosh. They're warm and fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. All the key words yeah. that you could possibly put in a grant and whoopee. Right. Man, but what are the, you doing? Absolutely. Right. This is, and the word I was looking for earlier uh, is the, uh, I, I think I use, but but the word I was looking for was a proactive mm-hmm. way of uh, addressing this in that real time. Right. Instead of like kicking the can, being proactive. And yeah, let me just go to kicking the can. At the risk of me maybe standing on my chair right now because I'm about to get super passionate about this. Do it. (laughs) What does kicking the can really mean? Yeah. And so, all right, let me say two things can be true at the same time. The city of Tempe is great. The city of Tempe government is great, especially as compared to many of uh, other government entities that are out there. I believe that. But if I'm just looking at the government and business approach to something like uh, homelessness over the past five years, 10 years, decades, uh, but in particular over the last five years where I've seen some big shifts in uh, things like fentanyl and I mean, just Mm -hmm. just the amount of what's going on and kicking the can down the road. There are some very passionate people doing some very good work and it is not the norm 
method that is creating enough systemic change that's actually going to do something about this. And so the norm has seemingly become put a Band-Aid on it and say that you're wanting to do something about it without, and you used a word that I'll add with excitement and igniter, is doing without doing anything really about it and just placating this issue. And what does that look like? It's allowing people to remain in a situation where, hey, like Darren, you said, I wanted to smash through that white picket fence. Like that's a choice sort of thing, right? But like the, what are the, what are the other things out there that are no longer choices because somebody's devoid of opportunity? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in this situation where I don't have choice. How do I get out of that? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm just looking for somebody to help me with everything. But if I was giving one, well, that first step to a staircase to be able to climb up the rest of it on my own and actually do something about this. And maybe I never, Hey, maybe I'll like live in a yurt without a white picket fence and do my own thing. But at least I made the choice to do it and right. was given an opportunity to get there. There's so much of that going on that if I'm where I was two years ago, what the hell am I supposed to do? What do we like? No one's telling us what to do. There's not a model out there for it. And not only are we losing dollars, like cash flow is suffering because of this, but I'm watching this, like these are human beings mm-hmm. that I'm watching suffer, that the same people are coming back and getting rearrested because they're sleeping somewhere because they need a place to sleep because they need a place like, because they know if they go 10 feet to the other side of the wall, they're going to get seen easier than on this side of it. It's so depressing to be in the middle of that and just see it and live with it and and watch this general malaise of like it's an issue as opposed as opposed to that's a human being that has a name that is a specific person that if I got to know them they're not an issue they're a person that I'd love to try and help well and you kind of talk about that staircase right it's like not only is taking the first step on that staircase difficult but sometimes you don't even know where the staircase is, right? To even to even find it, and so it it feels like this helps create at least um, at least a visual of like, hey, it's here. It, it might be a hard climb, but like we're here to help, and it's through um, the relationships and through the impact that a community garden has had with what would almost seemingly be impossible. It feels like a commercial building, and then Darren. So when you guys, okay, so we have, it's kind of twofold, right? It's the actual food itself, the garden itself that has created workforce and then has kind of branched off into uh, multi-relationships. Because I know when we were here at the event, there was other workforce companies that are for, they try and help people. Um, and so that, that kind of networking and that community building. So where are people going? I, I know you guys said that you are selling some of the produce at um, farmers markets and stuff, but what other jobs or what other opportunities have been available through this? Well, so it's a point of entry for us. It's called the personal strategy roadmap. So, so again, we had cursory introductory conversations for almost a couple of months, even before we launched in regards to uh, we, we always loved what you do. However, Tell us again what you do. <laughs> right. I was like, hey, wait right. a minute. Uh, okay, so that particular piece is 
it's other referrals, it's, it's other uh, references. Uh, so when we talk about folks working with just a Tiger Mountain Foundation, that could be supply chain work. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be administrative work. We actually have an accountant controller, which I love saying because I'm a CEO. So I got to have an accountant controller if I'm going to be really balling, right? Okay. So uh, hear that out there in podcast land. You got to have an accountant controller. That's how you know you're truly balling out. That's how you okay? know you made it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right. I don't, if you're at the top of conscious capitalism or social entrepreneurism, yeah. Have an account controller, all right? <laughs> but that's an excellent question that you're asking, though. It's where are these people going and, and who are these people? I mean, they are students from Arizona State University, uh, Gilbert Chandler College, uh, South Mountain Community College. Um, they are aspiring folks who wanted to be connected in somehow, some way in their community that don't have degrees like myself. The first thing I did was give myself a CEO title. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I'm the founder, damn it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. only a member, I'm hey, the president. Hey, I'm the president. <laughs> I am the guy, man. Uh, you know, I heard King of England was taken, uh, right? So I thought, mm, Man, you're running CEO. out of titles. Yeah, there. exactly. Right. Czar of, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Romania? Is there a czar of Romania? I don't know. We could be the czar of the South Side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's where... That's who we are. And and then as a result, within the organization, there is a multitude of opportunity because business growth is duplicitous. And also some folks who might not want to work in a community garden or even within the concept. Again, we have other resources and referrals for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, by grace, uh, other Macintosh organizations like Refresh Glass, Reuse Energy. Um, some of our different kids that come from the different families can now go with Arizona Homeschool Network Association or uh, get connected through uh, Local First Arizona or some of the other different organizations that we found out are under the umbrella. So again, it now becomes the village really actually being um, positive change for the village. Right. And I know, you know, a lot we were talking about like the warm, fuzzy words, right? And a lot of times you're watching the news, you're on Facebook, or you're just kind of, and you see problems and you drive down the same streets we do and you see the issues, you see the humans behind it, but you're like, what can I do? I'm just one person. I'm here to tell anyone listening that these are just two dudes sitting in front of me, right? These are just two guys and they're making a big impact by just kind of putting their heads together and asking how, like, how can I help? And I think if anybody just starts asking, how can I be part of the solution instead of part of the problem, then they can be part of the solution. There's so many avenues out there. And I want to be clear about the building. There's not a bunch of homeless people hanging out, eating tomatoes, right? Like you guys really actually started to clear some of, I would call it issues, the uh, unsavory type that were scaring maybe the women in the 7,000 square foot office. Some of that has has naturally dissipated, correct? So I, I first want to say that I think Darren and I should start our own show called Two Dudes. Just <laughs> <in front of> you. <laughs> two dudes, baby. Two dudes, it. the two dudes. <laughs> So I'll give kind of two answers. There is a there is an approach we have to take from time to time where it's uh, somebody's somebody's creating a dangerous situation, and we just have to eliminate those those situations where somebody we might have to get with the police or our security company or something to just all right, this is out of control. It's not something where we can have a conversation with somebody about can we get you involved in this? 
But at the same time, it's not like all of the people that were here are no longer here. Right. A lot of the people who were here are still here. Mm -hmm. It's just a different relationship now where they're here in a different capacity and they're here purposefully because we like, we awesome. We'd love for you to be here as opposed to wait, why are you here? Yeah. And so it's not like, um, we solved this issue where nobody comes here anymore. It's like, it's great that people come here because Mm -hmm. now we have people to interact with in the community and we're a bigger part of this community. These were people that, uh, would be here either way, right? So right. we might as well treat welcome it as them. such and welcome mm-hmm. them and, and treat them as a stakeholder. Yeah. Man, that's so well said. Mm-hmm. Thank you, dude one. Dude one. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll be dude two. It's like almost like thing one and thing two. Yeah, yeah. And I one. think that, because I know, I mean, I come here every two weeks and I have never felt fearful or anything along those lines. So just so that anyone listening is very, very clear, right? I also believe that in that kind of bubble of people, that there are different types, right? Like you were saying, there are some that are uh, potentially dangerous and we do have to call the police and have them removed. And then like Darren was saying earlier, some people are, be it's because of inflation or even mental illness. And so there's like a variety of different capacities that bring people, that make them feel like they need to be on the streets regardless. And so you've just embraced them. It is very, very personal to me. Part of my share is that my my dad is schizophrenic and he has been on the streets before. And <clears throat> it was only because there are amazing people out there that gave him a hand up. So I am so happy to have you guys on here. Sorry, it gets me a little, a little emotional, but um, I've watched him go to jail all kinds of other things and he's a person like he's somebody's son and father and he can't help that that's what was created for him so i think guys like you just two dudes sit here <laughs> right but like because there there are people out there and they do need a hand so i want to know like what would like going forward, like moving forward, thinking of people like my father, the people that in this community, what would be your top three things that you would wish for moving forward? Yeah. I, Go ahead. I, I, so very well said by Kyle, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, there, there are folks that we work with that number one, you not only do you not know, as Kyle said, it's actually still the same population of folks. I mean, literally, it's the mother who was living in her car mm-hmm. with her three kids. However, they're all now in school, and she's actually uh, pursuing a first-time home buyership. Oh. And this is, you know, after four, five, six months of transitioning, uh, working with the organization. However, you you wouldn't know that because. She, she's incredible. She's beautiful. She's us. Right? They're, 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 they're technically, as we talk about your family and as we talk about myself and Kyle, we're, we're actually all part of the same fabric that actually is not perfect. And some of us, of us in that fabric might not have um, some of the breaks that you might see that actually might go to a smaller percentage of us. However, we still go through some of the bumps in the road. So, so my number one thing would be that 
that is acknowledged. We're, we're looking at something that is unique because it's working, because all of us do care. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all of those folks actually care. If 98% of the people we've engaged are the people still walking up and down these thoroughfares. They just see the what's in it for me. And even if they don't actually come through Tiger Mountain Foundation, they realize that we're making an attempt to be part of their lives, not not to push them down the road. Um, The number two thing is we really wanted to put this type of effort with something that we could build on uh, from a social entrepreneur uh, perspective. Uh, I mentioned the fact that now this is a template that other people are going, hey, how do we get that in our housing development? How do we get that in our commercial building, right? Come and assess, see what we got going on, and then what would you advise? I I I I I wanted that yesterday, and and that's happening. Uh, so so I want more of that, and I want it built around a very sound uh, social entrepreneur business operating foundation. That's a huge number two, and then number three is I, I want to keep staying on bended knee. I, I want to realize that as I walked in today with my shirt sweaty because I kind of thought, man, I got to get my behind back out there because the only thing that we've proven is that if we continue to do something relatively well, it has an opportunity to be a best practice for other communities. And it has an opportunity to uh, really show the beauty of uh, all of us looking for that proactive resolution. So that that would be my number three is to just stay uh, as humble as heck and um, go to work again tomorrow. I feel like that might not be an issue for you. I'm no, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm feeling yeah. it, man. I mean, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I am them, and they are me. Yeah. And and I am Kyle, and he is me. So, yeah. and, and the more we get that, the more I mean, Kyle and I, you know, thing one is amazing. And, you know. <laughs> now and, you're just thing one. You're yeah, 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 yeah. He's anymore. not do one anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm, dude. Dude number two's out there making moves, getting sweaty. That's right. <laughs> Dude, I will two. note that yeah, Kyle yeah. was not sweaty yeah, when yeah. he came in. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, and, and and no no offense to Thing One, man, but yeah, that that quite frankly, Thing One, you got work to do, man. That's when you right. get with uh, myself and, <laughs> and and Kyle over here, man, yeah, we're gonna uh, keep again the, the number three, being blessed first and and being humble mm-hmm. about the opportunity that we have in front of us. Uh, that this is unique and and um you know again we still got work to do we we won't relish on right. what we did in the past can i yeah. answer the three because yeah. I, I so totally agree with everything that, that you said darren and i think uh two of mine are probably almost exactly the same and just to, to frame it differently a little bit is uh it's all about opportunity all three of these things are about opportunity one is uh there's this there's this narrative that is very prevalent in society right now that when people of different groups see each other, they see each other as different. And I think that's true, right? But like a issue that's even bigger is that there are people that are unseen and people that are seen. Mm. And so if we can get to a place where we're at least seeing everybody, recognizing everybody, we're going to be in a world of a better place that we can then really address these issues of like, why are we seeing each other different? As opposed to what Darren just said, you or me, I am you, we're all from the same cloth. We're all doing the same things. We all want a lot of the same things. How do we support each other? That's my number one is getting people to think differently about 
these are these are human beings. We how do we help anybody create opportunity? There's a uh, organization, uh, nextbillion.org is their website. And their whole thing is globally, who are the next billion people that are going to be raising out of abject poverty that will be creating the next billions of dollars of economic wealth for themselves and for anybody across the world? Like there's a huge opportunity here. And that's probably the number two is that part of the story is this doesn't have to be something that's totally altruistic. We've talked a lot about the like, it feels like crap to go out there and see people struggling. It feels better when you go out there and you see people that have opportunity that can they can have agency in their lives. At the same time, that building that was at 26% occupancy is at 94% occupancy. Nice. Like there's a financial piece to this that is the that uh, horsepower of a for profit part of it in conscious capitalism, that I'd like the businesses or whoever organizations out there to understand uh, the opportunity that's in it for them, even if that's all they care about and the byproduct is helping people out, or all you care about is helping people out and the byproduct is the financial part of it, who cares? Right, the outcome. Just go and do it, right? So think differently about uh, how you're approaching these issues. And the third is really, and it's opportunity for all these organizations that are out there, like the city of Tempe and their human development or their, that organization or the, the Tempe police that have their whole outreach uh, with some of these issues or Tiger Mountain or who are all the nonprofits, these uh, ACDC that's working with uh, placing people with uh, organizations and who are all these groups that are out there that are doing great work. But if we were connected on a project like this or to really where how do we not all be running around like crazy trying to do the good work that we do, but we don't have concentric circles with each other where we know collectively we could create 10 times the amount of good as all of us trying through brute force to just do what we're passionate about to help people. And so if through projects like this, through a different way of thinking about issues that are out there, we can connect some of these pieces, that would be the number three, that all of this ends up in a playbook that what's out here is unique because someone hasn't done it before. Right. There's no reason it has to stay unique. Let's do this all over the right. place. Because then you're not just the two dudes anymore, right? You're two <laughs> dudes that became part of a much bigger community, right? But it all started because you were passionate about one thing. And you kind of talk about the playbook and you've talked about the template for, for what does that model look like for commercial real estate? So when you get that phone call and from, say, a building owner who's like, hey, I know this Kyle guy. I know thing one. And I heard they did a building. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude, dude, dude one. Dude, yeah, yeah. Right. And I've, I've heard cool things. And, you know, I'm, I'm on board. Like, what? how do you walk them through the template? How do you, like, what, is, what does that look like? Yeah. So, so that looks like um, the virtuous cycle of what Kyle mentioned not just the workforce opportunity, but, mm -hmm. but all of those different people that are part of those layers and, and some of those people who are going in other different directions as we address even their capacity to work because not everyone's 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Some folks, maybe because of a learning disability or uh, emotional hurdle, uh, behavioral, might do nine, or maybe it's because they're a senior and, and they're, they're more prone to maybe do nine to 12 hours. So, so that, that virtuous cycle would be that workforce that actually leads back into that point of entry. 
and then that point of entry would actually lead to the full story of how the produce is actually healthier, uh, the, the growth in vegetation is healthier produce, mm-hmm. right? So so now it becomes circular and it becomes that cycle of um, these types of better conversations. So that's what the template looks like. The mm-hmm. template looks like this incredible wheel that brings positivity. However, you can do it in incremental stages, but maybe you don't want to work. So your personal strategy roadmap is a mentor that helps you with anger issues or helps mm-hmm. you with um, other lifestyle issues, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because they could be mentors, educators, instructors within that point of entry. So again, we'll keep doing the work and, and one powers the other and one supports the other, but it will look like that cycle. That's what the template will look like to me. Hmm. I think too, there's things that are going to be different, even if you went a mile down the road. Right. Like there's just different issues mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. unique to the specific place where you are. And there's a lot of similarities. Who are some of the main stakeholders that you're going to be working with? Let's just put some of them up on a whiteboard. Like, all right, if you're working with Tiger Mountain, that's one of them. If you're working, if you as the property, that's one of them. The police, security, company, all the apartments, who's living around Mm -hmm. you. The All right, let's just list all those out and think about how might they interact with each other and really be conscious of that so that it's not like this hope that it just put it there and it works out but like how do we create this engagement between all these parties so that they're all working together and there are like the security company that's here that uh, is on site here has a literal like playbook of this is these are the steps that we follow which are different than many other properties where we would just be kicking people out all the time Mm -hmm. how do we make an introduction to darren as a first step, as opposed to get off the property. And maybe we need to get there. Maybe we, and maybe it escalates to a point where we need to call the police, but how are the police engaging with people so that they, as a first instinct, are also offering opportunity as opposed to taking somebody in just because they got called for an issue. And so there's little pieces like that, that I'd be, you know, I'm sure either one of us would be happy to say like, here's the template, here's what we're doing. But there's enough too, that it's like, let, let us help you think through this for the things that are a little bit different over here where, you know, we had these three apartment complexes. You actually have all these uh, single family homes all around you. How might you engage with the community over there uh, just a little bit differently and think through that? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And so not only is the community environment different but and buildings are different, but then they're different types, right? Like this is a works, uh, shared workspace. It's a very cool building. We'll go into that in a minute. But like I sell a lot of multifamily properties. And a lot of times one of the questions I get is how do I how do I add value to my building, right? And as soon as I met you guys, one of the things I thought was you could have a community garden in the middle of your apartment building that would not only draw people to live there, therefore lowering your vacancy, but, you know, also feel good, right? So it's like you can be doing this not only because it feels good and it's the right thing to do, but it can also increase your bottom line. So it's like one of the cool things I was thinking of as I was thinking of how could this apply to my own my own clients. Um, mm. Yeah. Right. See, those are some good ideas. (laughs) There's a reason I live in a neighborhood that's uh, uh, diagonally across a a intersection from Agritopia and Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And there is a reason that the property values in Agritopia are 
double the cost per square foot than where I am diagonally because they have put things in there like these gardens that people have access to and can they feel you feel like you're a part of your community. Yeah. I know. I just sold an office building over across from Agrotopia and he was like, Hey, you know, if this tenant ever leaves it, do you think I'm going to have a problem filling this? I was, no. <laughs> yeah, I would no. have, I mean, I would have a waiting list set up for you. Yeah. Yes. Everybody wants to be over there. So yeah. you're right because they've created that draw. You can't yes. just plop houses in the middle of somewhere and like have it be attractive. Well, and you know, I, I mean, I, we, we started this work on the third highest murder capital block in the nation uh, at the time. Yeah. Third, I mean, what a, a thing to say, you know, we're number one, two or three. Right. And so that block actually became a bellwether uh, in South central Los Angeles. So that's kind of where we started cutting our teeth around this virtuous cycle of work. That's an excellent point that Kyle makes. So those apartment complexes and were very different than the commercial. There, there, there was a f- each block, so it was a block, and then on each corner there were apartments and then apartments and then commercial, but, but each had different situations. So it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Um, mm-hmm. that, that template uh, worked on that third highest murder capital block in the nation. And I'm going to tell you, though, it actually even maybe brought a tad bit of gentrification. I had never imagined hmm. that if we cleaned up the block, we could actually not even afford to be on the same block that we cleaned <laughs> same, up. Yeah. yeah. So so we had to look at it now and fuse even more of a stronger workforce mm-hmm. aspect to it uh, so that, again, um, we could address what worked well and what didn't we quite hit as far as a mark, good, good work. But, right. but now this is another level of it to say, hey, wait a minute. Now, now we're putting philanthropy, we're putting sustainability with it. You know, we're putting other multiple streams for it to be stronger, uh, a stronger conversation so we can still uh, keep being a, a source of help. Yeah, because you don't want to inadvertently displace people in the process. That defeats the whole purpose, right? Absolutely. And and, and and inadvertently displace yourself, quite right. frankly. <laughs> right. You know, I, I all of a sudden I was like, hey, wait a minute, I can't afford to live uh, <laughs> one block away from what I just cleaned up. That's part of what is making commercial real estate look differently these days. Do you agree? And, you know, kind of like, why is Max 6 or why is your space different than everybody else's? Let me use gentrification as an example of unintended consequences of some of these ways that either commercial or or residential real estate are working right now. I think that there's this, uh, there's this, there's this appeal to making things look a certain way. And by doing that, it turns into something that was unintended. So by sort of raising the aesthetic appeal of a area, it changes who wants to be there or, and then the prices go up. And so Instead of just thinking through the aesthetic things that are there, addressing some of the, what are the things that we could do to help people who are already here and to help the things that are already here and focus on those as opposed to bringing new things in. And so like we bought and sold an apartment complex as well a number of years ago when we were putting amenities in there rather than some of the uh, like pool tile, some of that stuff, it was like computer rooms will bring financial literacy classes in here. And so like, as we're making this a nicer property, the ideal was that these 
the same population can afford to be here and like stay here and grow with us and, and be the same community that all of us are raising at the same time. So the same thing is true of commercial and like a, a property like this. You go into a lot of uh, co-working spaces, I'll say there's all kinds of different ones, but you go into a lot of them and there's this aesthetic appeal to when I bring somebody in here, it's going to be this, oh, la -dee -da, look <laughs> at me. And there are some companies where that works well for, but if you were to just throw all that out the window and say, it's garbage, I don't care what it looks like. Let's just talk about functionality and like what I really need. Let's address those things. We're a B-class property. Mm -hmm. with A-class thought and amenities that go in here. And so it's it's things like, um, all right, you know, the red paint on the walls and the whiteboard paint and all that, you know, it looks cool. But at the same time, it's much more about the people and creating systems and processes around how we connect all these companies that are here. That's the real value proposition mm -hmm. of being here. It has nothing to do with the four walls you're in or if there's these cool lights or TV. Like, all right, this is pretty cool. But... <laughs> It's much cooler to have the five of us sitting around this table and get to learn from each other and having more of those experiences and more ways that we can engage with each other around here than another two lights that would maybe make it even cooler in here with the technology. And so there's lots of examples of that, but that has tended to be the approach with anything in here is how do we make more connection as opposed to how do we show up a certain way? And just when you walk in here, it is you're of a certain class or something. Right. Because anyone can hire an interior designer, make yeah. a cute building, throw it together, put some people in place that just put their head earbuds in and put their head down and work, right? But to create a true co-working space, it's like it's almost taking it to the next level and creating a place where we can all collaborate uh, because none of us knew each other, or at least I, you guys may have. I didn't know you before, um, before I started working here. So it's, you know, that and that's where that some of that cross collaboration comes from. And like, and now look what we can do together. And then I'll introduce you to who I know and you'll introduce and, you know, and now we can better serve our community. It's it. We, we transactionally are a real estate company. Right. But right. I, I laugh all the time. They're like, we're not a real estate company. They call us a co-working space. We're a space. Where do you want your space? Where do you want your office space, your co-working space, your desk space? I think of us as a place, a place where there's a community of communities where we can actually be a part of this larger community and be a place where I show up here and I know I can be connected to opportunity. If you're showing up in the parking lot, if you're showing up inside, if you're showing like it doesn't matter. Here is a place in Tempe in Arizona where if you show up, you can be connected to opportunity. It doesn't matter if there's these buildings here or not. It's just a draw to get people to this place, right? right. Uh, that's that is what it is. I got to, so the part about if people don't know, and, and then now here we're talking about the full uh, gambit of human beings that could even be in these conversations. If people don't know, then they won't be like myself who has been behind bars before, who's been homeless before, and, and, and some, you know, other different things that I mentioned earlier. Uh, however, now I own a multitude of, real estate acquisition. Good for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so proud of that. Yeah, and, you and you know, and and, um, and and several deeds and and uh, some media and technology stocks. And so I, I met these guys, uh, yeah, it was over 10 years ago. I'm kind of getting gray 
you know, me, me too, man. Hang, hang, hanging out with these with, with uh, dude one and uh, dude, dude one got a pops. Yeah, we got to get him a cool name too. And so that's that law of exponentiality. However, as a young guy, I didn't know a whole bunch about that. So mm-hmm. I, I had to glean things as I went along and I'm sitting there looking and these guys might not know it, but I'm actually gleaning how they're using process, right? And then now I'm taking that back to first-time home buyers, for goodness sakes, who mm-hmm. were homeless like myself. That part is uh, truly amazing. And then I'm leaving this meeting to go to a meeting um, that uh, we just went into the second round of this uh, Tim P. Climate Action. And uh, there, there's nothing promised. However, it's a $34 million potential pot. However, I'm not by myself. I'm also with what Kyle talked about, other organizations that are actually part of this community. That was intentional. My goodness, that's the same guy that we're talking about mm-hmm. actually doing exactly what Kyle was talking about, which is taking the whole village, man, and figuring out a way, well, you know what? I, I've learned something, but now I'm constantly, you know, putting that back out there. So now these organizations, and as the uh, buildings improve, we're, we're looking for multiple streams of how we support one another. Mm-hmm. I am tremendously proud of that. Very cool. Yeah, and yeah. having platforms like this, such as a podcast, is just one way to get that word out to help others, you know, give their hand up. Um, so how can people get a hold of you uh, to become one of the dudes? Or <laughs> <laughs> That ain't going to be easy. That's going to cost you. <laughs> or to help or to have a co-working space or anything else. How can people get a hold of you guys? Well, so uh, folks can get at uh, Tiger Mountain Foundation via our website. I think easiest. We are on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks. Uh, we have a media specialist that sits next to the uh, tr- controller accountant uh, in, in the office. You've arrived. In, in the office adjacent to the controller accountant, you will find our media person. Uh, but no, you can go to www dot tigermountainfoundation.org and typically you kind of get exposed to our whole, whole world and uh, we welcome you max6.com m-a-c the number six.com that's got uh kind of pointing in the direction of anything else that you know facebook uh instagram but that's where the most of it is you can get a hold of us i'll just throw it out there you know i uh had this approach for a long time where i would kind of guard my self and my time and my phone number, my email and all this stuff. I don't care. I'd love to talk to people. Mm-hmm. 480-620-7805. Give me a call. That's uh, Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming today. I have truly enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to Smashing Through Walls, a place for robust conversations about the building and blocks of Arizona commercial and real estate investments. Host Carla McGee is a commercial real estate broker with MHG Commercial, powered by My Home Group. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of My Home Group and do not constitute any offer or advertisement of business or services. The real estate market is cyclical and listeners assume all responsibility should any return on investment, tax consequences, credit effects, or financing terms not meet their expectations. Guests may not be qualified to provide financial, legal, or tax advice regarding a real estate transaction. Listeners are advised to obtain professional tax and legal advice and counsel. 